Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Corner Bible Church. I am Pastor Richard. I'm one of the pastors here, and my main responsibility is charged as a the teaching pastor here. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, 22 through 23, and we'll bounce around the whole chapter there, but we'll, we'll focus in that middle section. Um, I, I do want you to notice, uh, my wife left me a, a little note in my Bible, my teaching Bible uh, this morning that says, hey, you're awesome, with a little heart on it, okay? Now, the reason I, I say that is because I intended to actually say, hey, you're awesome today to you. Because in the series, Vulnerability, I have heard more stories. I've had more coffee appointments and lunch appointments with you all sharing things that you've been through. Sharing hurting moments. The raw of it. To get to a point of healing and freedom in it than I've ever experienced here before. We've come a long way. Please continue. Please continue to be vulnerable because in this pathway of lament that we're going to talk about in just a moment, vulnerability leads to access. Vulnerability of Christ followers leads to access to Christ. Us actually sharing our, our hurts and our hardships and not walking around like, if you're a Christian, everything is sunshine and rainbows, because how many of us know that it's not? It is one of the most difficult decisions that you will ever make in your life to follow after Jesus Christ. It is hard and difficult and glorious, all wrapped up into one unique rainbow. So continue to do it. Continue to press in. Because... We are in a season, as Pastor Mike said, uh, in between services of reaching. And that happens through your own vulnerability. So good job. Continue to be faithful. And uh, from my wife to you, hey, you're awesome. I would like to break it down because everybody feels a little <sighs> right now. And clap for Anne the Hogue for sharing her story with us, please. Because we know that no matter how long it's been, every time you share it and become vulnerable, it's difficult. So thank you for blessing us as a congregation with your testimony and what the Lord has brought you through. We love you very much. Title for today, The Bridge, From Grief to Hope. How many of you have struggled with grief in your life before? In a multitude of different scenarios and in areas, we've all struggled with a little bit of grief. And the hope in every season of lament is to bring us from the side of the bridge that is griefful, grief-filled, hurting, heartache and frustration, is to be able to walk the bridge from grief to hope where we trust in the Lord where we acknowledge that although, although our emotions are real, the season that God has us in is real and it does hurt, that there is still hope to be had on the other side of it. Would you say amen to that? Amen. 
And we've defined lament this way. It is a way that Christians grieve, where they take their sorrows and their frustrations and they give them to the Lord while still acknowledging that he is holy. And on this bridge that we're going to discuss today is where we acknowledge that although those bent-up frustrations and emotions and the seasons that we go through are very difficult here in the land of the living, that our God is holy and that we should trust in him once more. How many of you like to travel? Anybody like to travel? Okay, as we travel, there are road signs along the way where we acknowledge that we're getting closer to our destination. And in Lamentations, we said that God has given us a pathway toward lament, to reach our destination of hope once more. And that pathway was defined fourfold, and it'll be up on the screen here for you note takers. And the first one is to turn to prayer. We discussed this week one of this series that to turn to prayer is the most important part of this process with the Lord, to take our bitterness and take our frustrations to God. It's the first sign as we're going toward our destination, and we have to, have to, have to turn in prayer. And we turn to prayer by asking a very specific question. And that question is, Lord, why do you have me here now? Lord, why do you have me here now? And the reason we have to ask that question is because as we journey down the pathway, there are two sides of this road of lamentation. There is a side that we discussed during that first week that we got an accidental package that was delivered to us and we're in a season of hurt and frustration that we did not sign up for or did not deserve. Have you ever been in one of those? I use the example of my wife and her health crisis that we've been going through the last year. We talked about we didn't sign up for that. We didn't deserve that. But God put us in that season like Job was put in a season so that we could be refined. And through the fire, as we sang in the song, that we might become molded and that we might be refined into gold. A season that we didn't sign up for and we did not deserve. And we lamented through it and are continuing to lament through it. On the other side of the road, we have lament as we've read in Lamentations in the first two chapters, where Israel deserved to be in lament. Their disobedience, their sin, continuously over and over and over again had led them to a place where God had to smack them a little bit. Have you ever been there before? Did you deserve to be smacked just a little bit by God to to awaken you to hope and to understanding of who he is? And Israel was there. Pastor David and Pastor Davis, as they taught through this, said, there's either a reason you're here because of your sin, there's a reason you're here because of your own doing, or there's a season that God has called you into of refinement. We have to ask the first question, Lord, why do you have me here now? to differentiate between the two. 
because the responses, the actions, okay? Christianity is a verb. It's active participation. It's not a religion, religion that we chase after of do's and don'ts, but a relationship that we're molded into. And we need to differentiate between how we respond. If it's sin or season, the response is different. That is where we know how to complain well. That's the second sign along the way, how to complain. And I asked the question when we talked through this, how many of you are complainers? Raise your hand if you're a complainer. How many of you hate complainers? Raise your hand. Okay, my favorite part of this was when I said this the first time, there was people that raised their hands that they were complainers, and then they raised their hand again that they hated complainers. So I was like, this is confusing. Do you argue with yourself? Like, I can't believe you're complaining right now. That's just it's a weird situation to be in. Can we acknowledge that's a little bit weird? But we need to be able to take the ball of confused emotion that wells up in us, and we have to place it somewhere. If it's because of our sin, we have to replace it, or we have to place it underneath repentance, walk through forgiveness, frustration that we've put ourselves in that situation. And if it's a season that God has us in, then we have to pray for steadfastness to take us through the journey and lead us to hope. The bridge that we're going to talk about today is the transition from complaining, trusting, and asking boldly. What would you say is the most important transportation um, idea or I can't think of the word right now, but the technology that has come into fruition in our culture. What do you think the greatest transportation technology is? Anybody? Say that again. Airplane? Okay. Yep. She wins. Game's over. We're done. <laughs> True. So much easier. I would say it's a bridge. Now, the reason I would say it's a bridge whereas I do believe you know, airplanes and GPS are very, very important, but the bridge allows us to go from one cliff to the next. In my hometown, we had a river that ran through a park. And, you know, as kids do, you always wanted to go to the side that you couldn't get to. Anybody like me in that scenario? Okay. So I just always wanted to go to the other side. And I thought, well, this river is not that fast flowing. I mean, it was. You probably shouldn't have done what we normally do, right? So, so I get in there, and there's a, a little bit of a cliff face that you got to climb down to get down to the river itself. So I climb down it, and wouldn't you know, there's, it's really hard to climb down those things. You're trying to grab a hold of things, and you slip, and you fall, and you stub your toe or cut your foot on a rock, and don't tell mom, right? Don't tell mom. And then when you get to the riverbed, you're going to have to walk across it to get to the other side. And ours was about 10 feet, not exceptionally wide, but you still had a ways to go to get across it. And you step in the water, and how many of you have ever stepped on a jagged rock before? Anybody? It very much hurts, doesn't it? Okay? So you step on one, and then you step on another, and you realize it might not be deep, but there's a lot of sharp edges in this riverbed, and it is going to hurt to get to the other side. But because we're 
dumb, maybe a tad bit ignorant, we continue the process. Climb and we walk and we step and we get to the other side of the bed and you have to climb up the face again and uh, not all of us are strong enough to pull ourselves up, right? Okay, we put on a few more. It hurts going across that. Imagine a canyon trying to get across. Imagine, as we know, the bridges that part seas or that, that lock land in through seas and overseas, over oceans, over big lakes. Think about the UP. In order to get from one side to the other, the quickest is straight across. But before bridges, you had to find a different way to go. In our pain, and our turmoil, it takes a whole lot longer to get to the other side unless there's a bridge. And that's the reason we talk about the canyons and the oceans because as we cross it, it's painful. It's hard. There's obstacles that could kill us, right? But lament in this, yeah, but God is still good, leads us across to the other side from grief to hope without harming us and allows us to come back to the other side. How many of you have been through a season of grief and thought you found your way out of it? Anybody thought you found your way out of it? And then two days later wound up on the backside and you were kind of like, how did I get back here again? Anybody been there before? Okay, grief and frustration, grief and frustration. And that's why there needs to be a bridge. So that we can go from one side to the other, easily realizing that it's a normal process for Christians and people and humanity to go through all of these doubts and frustrations. Realizing that God has made it easy for us to do. Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. 24, excuse me. It says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. We see here in chapter 3, at the very beginning, and we're going to read that in just a moment, Jeremiah making it self-reflective. The first two chapters, there's a collective lament. One of the things we've done a really bad disservice to the church in the United States specifically is we've made our faith very individualistic. It's your faith. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to actually converse with one another. That's the furthest thing from the truth because Jeremiah, who did not deserve to be in this lamentation, this lament, this season, because he was the one warning everybody, still had to go through all of the depravity because of the collective sin nature of the body. There are seasons that we will have to go through collectively that we as individuals do not deserve to go through. 
Those are called labor pains. Okay? Talk about that in Revelation and signs of the times, wars and rumors of wars. Those are called labor pains. Okay? Feels a little bit like the season we're in collectively, doesn't it? There are seasons because of collective sin or distancing from God that we as a body of Christ will have to go through. And Jeremiah is here. Jeremiah warned and warned and warned again of what was going to happen if Israel did not move away from their sin. And at the very beginning, he says, woe is the body of Christ, basically. Woe is this nation of Israel at that time. I can't believe that we're in this season. But in chapter 1, he, or I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 3, he opens up and we get to see his heart. We get to see his frustration, his hurt. Verse 1, it says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Let me ask you this, church. Have you lived through a season like that? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've lived through a season like that. Only because I, I see gazed over eyes considering moments. Stay with me for a minute. He has walled me up about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shout, or shuts out excuse me, my prayer. Have you felt this distancing from the Lord before? Like no matter how loud you cry out, how much you wail, how you scream, he's not there and he's not listening to you. Verse 10, he is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target. This is his prophet. This is his chosen one. And Jeremiah is weeping. He feels like God is distant. He's not listening. He feels like God is at war with him. What he means by holding back his bow. Verse 13, he drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So I has my hope from the Lord. 
so has my hope from the Lord. Sounds a lot like grief. Grief and frustration, anger, hatred, bitterness. How many of you have ever found yourself bitter? Okay. There was a season that my wife and I went through. We were saved at 17, 18, roughly. We didn't grow up in the church. My wife was sexually abused as a child and as a teenager, which led to a whole lot of different things that happened to her as a, a, young, or a younger adult throughout our teenage years. And when we got married, I took on that bitterness. I hated it. I'm naturally inclined to anger. I am an angry individual and bitter. And over here in this grief, I didn't even experience the situation, but because I loved her so deeply and dearly, watching her process this out led me to a moment of anger and frustration and bitterness that I could not explain. You guys ever been there before? I was ready to take revenge. I even plotted it in my head. Yeah, I'm probably a little weird, I know. But all of a sudden, through the muck and the mire and the bushes and the branches, I realized that there was a bridge over the chasm of my deepest pain. And as we cut back the branches and, and realized that God had established a bridge where we could walk from grief to hope, I was too stubborn to even start walking it. Anybody else? But I watched my wife walk it. The person that, who had been through this situation, who had been through the season, who had the imagery, melted into her mind of the situations and the seasons, and the hurt, and the disgustingness of our humanity and our depravity. And I watched her forgive on the hope side. And I watched her walk back over and weep because of another scenario that came back to her mind. And then I watched her walk the bridge again of forgiveness. And then I watched her walk it back into grief to the roots of the scenarios and situations and seasons. And I watched her take that back across the bridge to of hope. And as I saw her journey this out back and forth, as she cried out in deep, deep frustration, I realized that the bridge was good. That although she was lamenting a season that she did not necessarily cause herself originally, the stuff that she was going through as a younger adult, she did cause because she entered into it knowing, but it still was harmful and hurtful, right? So she walked through both sides of the situation on that bridge, and she did it in such a glorious way that it led me to do it too. So I started to walk the bridge of lament, pain, frustration, to the other side of hope trust. And when God says he desires everything for our good, although it doesn't feel good in the moment, that every season of lament is to inspire hope in God once again. That he would take us across the bridge. That he would 
build our endurance, even when it feels like our endurance lacks. That he would refine us and mold us to be people that walk the bridge so that the unsaved might be able to walk the bridge. You see, we don't just get saved for ourselves, right? That's the individualized focus of our faith. We get saved that other people might know that he is Lord. So as we walk back over to grief in a world that's stricken by grief, right? We can, hey guys, come on. I know it's hard, let's go. But don't we as a church find ourselves on this side of the chasm shaming people for the grief that they find themselves in? Telling them that they're not worthy of the hope that we weren't worthy of? It's not in my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you to stop being stubborn. People will come to know the Lord the more vulnerable you get and recognize and remember and recall your own ignorance, your own arrogance, our own arrogance, our own guilt and frustration. So how do we get to the other side? I talked about it, said it over and over and over again. Read back with me in verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings. This is asking boldly. Step three in the process. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He acknowledges the situation that he finds himself in. He says, I'm hurting and I can't do this anymore. Everything in me is bowed down before you. I don't know what else to do. In verse 21, this is where the bridge is built. But. But this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. You see it on the board here. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Next one for me. Is that the last one? Okay. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. We talk about the understanding of bearing the yoke. That Christianity and following Christ is not for the faint of heart. That it is difficult and hard and it is not an easy path to venture down. It's good, he says. It's good for us to feel the weight of seasons of lament. Because as we are weighted down and pressurized and refined through fire, we are just that. Refined. He didn't save you because you're awesome. He saved you because he is. And he didn't save you to leave you like you were. 
It is not in Richard's name that we pray. It's in Christ's name. And our job through lament is to refine ourselves, whether through it's the situation that we find ourselves in because God put us there or because we put ourselves there, we are meant to be refined, to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's what we set our minds on that's most important in the bridge. Jeremiah says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. But this I call to mind. Job says it this way in Job 23.10. But, this is after his own pain and resentment towards the Lord, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I've kept to his way. I've set my mind on it. In the New Testament, we find this in Philippians 4.8. This is my favorite passage. If you're new here, I say this passage probably once a quarter because it's very practical, very practical. It says, Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's the famous passage that we like to put on uh, pillows, coffee mugs, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be with you. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. My favorite translations, actually, instead of saying, think about these things, say, set your mind on them. Because I can think about something without actually doing anything, right? But if I pick up this water bottle and I set it down, I just acted. I pick this up. I consider it. Then I set it down, I have physically just responded to an action that went on in my mind. And that's what he's telling us to do. How do we build the bridge? How do we find the bridge? How do we walk across the bridge? How do we recognize God is still holy in the seasons of our frustration and bitterness and resentment? We set our minds on the things that he's already done for us. Said this at the very beginning of this series. How did I know the Lord would take us through this season? There's a very real chance that my wife was going to die. I had to look at my daughters and say, if she dies, God is still good. I only know that because he's taken us through other seasons. And he never promised us a long life. He promised us purpose in him we get to live that out by walking the bridge back and forth. 
what I'm going to do now is ask you that as we worship in this last song, that you worship by writing things down that God has taken you through. That you take a moment and you reflect on this side of grief, how God got you to the other side of hope. And I want you to start to build that bridge of remembrance. The people of Israel were taken through plenty of obstacles, and God always said, reflect and write these things down. Set up stones of remembrance so that not only you might know, but generations past will know. And that's our day today, practically speaking. As we sing, reflect. Write them down so that when a season of depression ensues, our minds can be set on the things above and not the things below. And that we might be able to remain on solid rock with a firm foundation that although we are shaken, we will not be moved. And then we can take people across the bridge as well. Weep of the things he's brought you through. Cry. Allow the emotion to be real. Don't fake it. Don't hide it. That's where bitterness comes. Walk it out. Set your minds on the things that are above. Write them down. I'm going to pray for you. Mike's going to lead us. Write them down. Then I'll close this out. If you're a person that has never even began the process of building a relationship with the Lord, there will be prayer teams up here at the front of service, and you're going, I have no idea what he's even talking about, but I understand what it means to lament you need a relationship with the Lord, we're going to be here. We'll pray for you. If not, that's okay too. But we want to be available because God's word requires response. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this moment in time. There's been thousands and thousands of years and multiple generations that have lived according to your word and we get to live in accordance to it now. But we pray for those that are in here that have went through seasons and situations that they've been through and gone through, but never lamented through properly, I pray that those would come to mind now, that you would help them during their reflection to remind them of your goodness, no matter the pain that they feel in the moment. Lord, I pray for those that are in here that don't know you, that if they feel the tugging on their heart to respond, Lord, that they would come forward and we might be able to pray for them and to love them and to show them who you are. Lord, we lift these things up in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.